0: Engage in today. We're trying to look at look at this whole act of full series with different layers and <clears throat> have different moments and different nuances. And so that's what we're gonna be doing today as we engage in talking about relationships. And so uh, <clears throat> to set this up, I wanna let you know that this is for everybody. It's not just for the married couples, okay? But we know that some of these points today that we're gonna make, some of the things that we're gonna say today is very much specific towards couples. But if you are engaged, and we have a lot of engaged couples um, that'll be across all of our services this weekend, You need to lean into this message today, okay? Um, Because not just pre-marriage counseling, but this is like, this is free pre-marriage counseling. We do it free anyways, but um, (laughs) there's no charge. But this is like just added stuff. And then for the single state, like if you hope one day that you're in a relationship, this message is for you as well. So this is really for everybody, but I just need you to kind of understand that we'll be uh, we'll we'll talk specifically to different situations and circumstances throughout this this uh, this this moment over the next potentially couple of weeks. But so
1: I'd like to just add also yep. that healthy people can help people. So anything you learn, right, is something that you can contribute to someone else. Yep. And so I just want to you You need to say that, that one more too. time
0: because that was amazing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um,
1: healthy people can help people. So there's all, every message is for you whether it's for you or someone else in yeah. your world. So
0: That's great. Alright, well let's dig in. Let's read our anchor scripture. Proverbs chapter 1 verses 1 through 7 says this, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline. We're going to need some of that in this conversation. For understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction, there it is again, in righteousness, justice, and integrity. For teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. And let a wise person listen and increase in learning, all right? So that's for all of us today. If you want to be wise, listen today. Increase in learning. And let a a discerning person obtain guidance. For understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and discipline. All right, one more scripture to set up today, and then we're going to pray and get into it. Song of Solomon, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. I'm going to read this looking at my wife and none of you.
1: I'm going to look at you.
0: (laughs) It says this in Song of Solomon. You have captured my heart, my sister, my bride. You've captured my heart with one glance of your eyes, this is the Bible, come on, (laughs) with one jewel of your necklace, how delightful your caresses are, my sister, my bride. Your caresses are so much better than wine and the fragrance of your perfume than any balsam. Today, as we continue on in our series, Act of Fool, I want to speak to you from the subject wisdom for marriage, as we look at practical wisdom for our marriages and even our singleness and everything in between. We pray with us just one more Mm -hmm. time this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this time together, and I pray that these next few minutes would be guided by your spirit. May these be your words, not our words. And God, where there's situation and circumstance that make this topic and the things that we're gonna talk about a little bit more difficult today, I pray that your grace and your presence would be the ointment used to bring healing. So we love you and we honor you in this place in Jesus' mighty name. Come on and everybody shouted, mm-hmm. "Amen!" So what we're going to do over this week and next week is kind of dig into what we feel like are our top ten pieces of advice for for relationship and marriage specifically. Does that work? Yeah. And we're just going to kind of jump right into it. Just so a little background, Eric and I have been married now for sixteen years, yeah. and by no means, thank you. By no means does that make High us five. professionals. High five. That was the worst oh high five ever. <laughs> Sixteen years, and we're just learning how to high five. And so, um, while it doesn't make us professionals so and perfect, amazing. it gives us a little bit of experience. And uh, yeah. and with that, we want to be able to use the Bible to highlight some of the wise pieces. We have three kids, uh, and a uh, 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a three-year-old. For those of you who are guests with us today and don't quite know us yet, so that's kind of the the place that we're speaking from today. We've known each other for almost all of our life since fifth grade. We've known each other. Mm -hmm. Um, We dated on and off in junior high and high school and in college and in other moments. And yeah, not officially. Um, I checked yes on the box. Yes, she did. Yes or no. Yeah. I think at one point our relationship included one of these things, right? Like.
1: Check yes or no.
0: And I said yes. (laughs) That
1: was fifth grade.
0: Yeah. I want, so, can I set this up before you get go to it. the point? Yeah, just jump in. Um,
1: good, okay. Uh, I, we've been reading this book as a staff called, um, what is it called? Emotionally Healthy Leadership. And it really goes into this amazing uh, part that we have not heard in the church before re- regarding what our marriage and our singleness actually show about God. Yeah. And so, it goes into this part that we are to lead out of our marriage, lead out of our singleness, which means that our marriage and our singleness actually come first. Yep. That is our first vocation. It's our first position. It's our first uh, place of living out of, right? A lot of times, too, in the world of church or even in your business, you lead out of being the CEO or the pastor or the... What, fill in the blank, the teacher, whatever your job is, that's really where you first focus a lot of times. And so what we have been pressing into is that we are actually called to live out of the health of our singleness or our marriage, and that in that, yep. that the gospel is shown through our marriage and our singleness. It's yeah. shown through our marriage by the depth of Jesus that is shown in marriage that you can see the depth of his love for us, the depth of his just expanse of what he cares about us, how he cares about us. When we read Song and Solomon, that is the idea of even how Jesus looks at his bride. Mm-hmm. And so it shows us in a healthy, God-fearing, God-loving marriage being first and foremost in our life, it shows us the depth of Jesus' love for us. As a single person, when we look at, Singleness, instead of looking at it as a annoying season that we're in, some of you might like the season because you've already tried marriage (laughs) and now you're here, you know, but... Instead of looking at it like that, realizing that it's your first vocation, it's your first story and testimony of Jesus' goodness and the breadth of his love for us. The breadth meaning that that we can then encounter so many other relationships in a healthy way because of our singleness, that our singleness actually gives us more freedom. And it shows the freedom of Jesus in and through the relationship of singleness. Yeah. And so I just want to encourage you that when we talk about these things, we're talking about them because our marriage and our singleness should be our first and foremost way of honoring God she's in our life. Gonna, she's just going to,
0: she's going to preach the and whole therefore, time. therefore. I'm going to, am going to, I'm going to sit here and be eye candy. Okay, so it'll good. be good.
1: That's me. No, I'm uh, So. There you go. Yeah. Um. <laughs> not meant to be that way but thank you. <laughs> oh my yeah, but I want to set it up like yeah, that because great. I think so often right we put and especially those of you who are serving on teams and stuff we put the church first which don't get me wrong we need you we're partnering together to serve our community but a lot of times we have put this idea that that our relationship with God does come before marriage because it's part of what makes us healthy in marriage, right? Right. But it, but we do not serve and do at this at the forsaking of our marriage right. or our singleness, if that yeah. makes sense. So,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's before Beautiful. we
1: jump into one, I wanted to say that.
0: Okay. So good. All right. So here we go. <laughs> We're just start throwing them out. Here's the first thing. If you are taking notes today, come on, write this down. Hopefully, you are. Um, travel light when it comes to baggage. Yeah. Travel light when it comes to baggage. In other words, we have to deal with our stuff. We have to deal with the baggage of life, the baggage of our wounds, the baggage of our situations. Ephesians chapter four, 31 through 32 says this, let all bitterness, anger, wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you along with all malice, and be kind and compassionate to one another Forgiving one another just as God also forgave you in Christ. If you do not deal with your baggage, your spouse or even relationships in general will end up taking on the brute force of your bitterness, frustration, mm-hmm. unforgiveness, disdain, mistrust, or whatever else is potentially sitting in this cauldron of crazy. Mm-hmm. So we've got to travel light when it comes to our baggage, especially when it comes to our family of origin, yep. right? We call this projection. And this goes for many of us who have been involved in different situations and circumstances in life, whether it be divorce or abuse, like hard things. We've got to deal with this at the end of the day. And we, we don't talk a lot about this stuff in church life. And her and I are just venturing yeah. into this place. This is what we really feel by way of the Spirit of God this season that we're in right now is to be truth seekers and truth tellers. So we're gonna, we're gonna say the hard things here at the well, and I just gotta, I gotta help us all understand, if we do not deal with our baggage, our baggage will deal with us. Yeah. yeah. And it will make relationship incredibly difficult, all right? And the funny thing is is that many of us think that marriage especially or relationships, depending on what type of relationship you're in, you, you draft it how you need to, but we think that somehow our relationships are not the sum total of our baggage, I would disagree. We think somehow that we can like parse it out and put our baggage over here and then have this incredible relationship. But here's the thing. Once we get comfortable in a relationship, we will open up that suitcase and start dropping dirty underwear in. Just. So gross. Come on. It's gross. (laughs) But how many of you know what I'm talking about? Because at first, like the dating game especially, come on, remember the dating game? You don't, you make sure they don't see that baggage at all. Like, you didn't show up to the restaurant and be like, hey, here's my suitcase, want to see? Like, no one did that. So what happens is we relegate it to the side for a while, we hold it back for as long as we can, come on, and then you get into relationship further, further, and further, and you start exposing some of the things that actually can be very devastating to the relationship. So our encouragement to you today is travel light when it comes to your baggage. Singles in the house today, let God heal you now. Yeah. Let God heal you now. Don't wait. Like, don't wait for that moment. It's like, oh, we're, I'm going to, I'll just wait. Once, once I get married, once I get married, this issue is going to go away. No. no. Get healed now. Once you get married, that issue gets hyper-accentuated. Yeah. Once you get married, that issue frustrates more and more. So we've gotta we've gotta deal with this issue right here. Travel light when it comes to your baggage. Mm-hmm. You wanna add anything to that, baby?
1: I mean I would say even if you're married, go go see a counselor <laughs> individually now. <laughs> you know, maybe things haven't come up yet, but like they will. And so, you know, I think it's really important to never stop seeking wise counsel pushing into Jesus, seeing how can I become a better husband or a hu- better wife, you know, and then giving each other space to go through that healing and yeah. grace, grace yep. to do it, so.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Don't, it's
1: awesome. Maybe you brought baggage into your marriage and it needs to go get cleaned out. Go do the work. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, have, have, yeah. Have, have somebody else help you unpack. Yeah. Deal with it, burn it, whatever you need to do, <laughs> but have somebody else enga- yeah. engage in the, in the journey. Number two, go for yep. it. Yeah,
1: ditch the option of out. Yeah. So Matthew, yes, 19:1 through 6 says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, he departed from Galilee and went to the region of Judea across the Jordan. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them there. Some Pharisees approached him to test them. Test him, they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Haven't you read, he replied, that that he who created them in the beginning made them male and female. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So the reality is, is that we committed when we got married because we knew that our marriage wasn't just about us. Our marriage was about generational curses and breaking generational curses and seeing Jesus exalted and glorified in our life and in our family of origin. And so we said, we'll never say the word divorce. Yeah. I don't think we have. Mm-mm. We've gone through very hard times. And, and this message for some of you is hard because you've gone through divorce. And we're not here to tell you you shouldn't have we, we are not in your story. We don't know it. Some people have left very abusive situations, yep. and we understand that, and we do not believe you should be sitting in that situation for very right. long. But the reality is, in most cases, if we're committed to the idea that we are in this for the long haul, yep. and we don't have a back door, then we're also committed to the idea that we won't stop trying. We yep. won't stop talking. We won't stop... We won't give up. We'll keep trying our best. Yep. And there's so many nuances to this. So I hate keeping it short because I feel like it almost needs its own message. Right. Regarding those of you who have gone through, you know, a divorce and have really had to lay that down and that God can heal that and God will restore that and that you will become healed and better should you choose to do that again, get married again, you know. Um, but the reality is, is that when you go into a marriage in a way of like, we're going to do this together, we're going to fight this out. We're going to keep pushing through. We're going to equally contribute. Yeah. And I think what's so hard is so often one might be willing to use the back door and the other one is like, no, I'm not giving up. And that's where those tensions come in and it makes it so difficult. But when you go in knowing like we're in this together and we're doing this and you don't stop trying equally you can have a great marriage and you can not have to use a back door.
0: Yeah, and, and this is a really important thing to realize is that the marriage isn't broken. Right. The two people in the marriage are broken. And that, I, that's a way that we've always framed things because so many times we like uh, w- any type of relationship. You can prep this out if you're a single person. You need to start thinking about these things. Uh, but maybe you don't want to get married. Cool, then just draw for a little while. But, um,. <laughs>
1: No, no, then you <laughs> no, no. learn you to live out of your else. singleness. You can help else.
0: But You're still leaving, living, What we say out is it. that the marriage isn't broken, the people in it. Because the marriage right. is the production of these two people. Right. But so many times what we do is we say that this thing is broken, this thing is impossible, this thing is impossible, and really what we're doing is we're pushing the blame onto something that can't take the blame. Mm-hmm. When we have to look back at ourselves and realize we are the ones that are making the marriage so the marriage isn't broken, we're broken, we got to deal with our brokenness. Right. Does that make sense? So that's a really important function for us to, to remember when, it, when we're working through some of these things is I think so many times we try to push it off and we're like, oh, we're just not, like, it's just not working. The marriage isn't working. And it's like, well, the marriage is what you make it yeah. at the end of the day. Just as much as the church, you can say, oh, the church isn't working. Well, no, that's not true because you're the church. Mm -hmm. I got quiet in church today. (laughs) It's not the building. It's not the four walls. The church is what we make it as a community. Does that make sense? Right. So if the community feels mean or standoffish or not connected, that's not the four walls' fault. (laughs) That's us. So what do we need to do? Put a smile on our face, reach across the aisle, say hi to someone you never met before, get into a table group. You see what I'm talking about? It's the production of the people. And so our marriage is the same exact way. It is the sum total of what we're putting into it
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: at the end of the day. So we've got to get rid of, we've got to ditch the option of out. Mm-hmm. And if you're single today, you've got to start building that muscle. Yeah. By working on other things that you would maybe potentially want to jump out of when it gets hard. See what I'm saying? All right, number three. Here's the third thing. Sorry always soothes. Sorry always soothes. Matthew chapter five. Is this helping anybody today? Matthew chapter five, verses 23 through 24. So if you are offering your gift on the altar... And there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Then come and offer, offer your gift. In other words, drop the pride, say sorry. Right. I find it fascinating that many times we're actually trying to be more right than we are sorry.
1: Mm.
0: Say sorry, right? Right sorry somebody needs to write this down today sorry goes a lot further than right mm-hmm. sorry goes a lot further than right like i'm right most of the time in our marriage but i've got to say <laughs> sorry they know the truth and there are many times in our marriage where one or the other has been right and and actually it could have asserted our rightness but the desire to preserve our marriage and strengthen our marriage caused us, instead of standing on our platform of right, we submitted ourselves to the other one and said, sorry. Okay. Why? Because sorry sues more than right does mm. at the end of the day. And this is a massive yeah. one to get, to get for us because most of us, not all of us, being right is our programmed response.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Come on, can I talk truth in the room today? For many of us in this room, we have to be right. Because there's a thing inside of us that if we're not right, our identity goes out the window. Mm -hmm. Something that happened to us when we were younger, Mm -hmm. it causes us to have to always be right. So sorry is not an option. Or maybe you never heard somebody say sorry before. And I just wonder what would happen for our relationships in the room today, whether that's friendships or marriages or single, it doesn't matter where you're at today. Parenting. Parenting. If we could learn to say sorry, versus trying to be right. This is a big one for parenting. She's got a lot that she says about this one. Do I? Yes, you've said a lot. Do you remember? (laughs) Talk about being sorry with our kids.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, a couple things is that, one, we are, we oftentimes aren't even arguing about the thing that's really the problem, right? So when we can stop and say sorry, we like, Recollect, like what is actually the problem here? What is, why am I freaking out about this? What is the root here? And so I think saying sorry is important to just like literally stop in the middle of whatever you're fighting about. All of a sudden it's about milk and it never was about milk. It was about the fact that you didn't, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You feel insecure because you didn't think about me, you know, by putting the milk away. Right. That's the root. The root is actually that. It's not the milk, right? Or the so, chapstick. Or the I forgot
0: the chapstick yesterday. This was like a prime example. She texted me when I was walking into the store. Come on, can we get real in church? So I'm walking in the store uh, to get red meat for dinner, steaks. And so um, I was really excited, but the store was stressful. It was crazy yesterday. Like everybody and their brother decided to go to Smith's yesterday. And so I started to get like, I want to get home. It had been a long day. She texted me. She's like, are you in the store still? I was like, yes. She's like, can you get Burt's Bees chapstick? I was like, yeah, 100%. Game on. Good deal. I forgot the chapstick. So...
1: I did, too, an hour earlier when I went to the store. Yeah. So <laughs> I got the steaks
0: and the ice cream, but didn't care about Burt's Bees. And I walked out. And the minute I walked out, this is how my mind process, I walked out, still in front of the store, realizing I forgot the chapstick, and I was like, I'm not going back in. You so, so I had a 15-minute drive to prepare my sorry, not my right. Come on. So I walk, I walked straight in, I walked straight into the house and I was like, Turn oh around. baby, I'm so sorry. I like straight in, I led with sorry. I'm so sorry, I forgot the chapstick. It was crazy. People were chasing me down in Smith's, it was insane. There was, said yeah, it, was it was nuts. The police showed up, the ambulances showed up, there was a fire, hurricane, winds. We do not condone lines. So when I reached into my bag, I was like, take my chapstick, because <laughs> I had an extra one in my bag and gave it to her, and I was like, oh, you know, crisis averted. But I, I use that as a story to like, sometimes we gotta lead with sorry. How many of you know there not, have been not arguments? Not when we're <laughs> lying. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't lying. <laughs> How many of you know that there have been arguments that have taken place and the weekend has gone bad because instead of just saying sorry, you worked to be right in your wrong. And then you work to justify it because you just can't stand saying sorry, I forgot something so that 's what we mean by this sorry always soothes,
1: yeah, and as a parent, I think um, most of us didn 't grow up with parents who like admitted that they were wrong, so a lot of our childhood wounds <laughs> are coming from like the fact that we we don 't we thought we saw all this imperfection, but there was never any like I admit that was wrong, and so for us, even in parenting. Like, I'm constantly saying sorry because I am constantly wrong with how I deal with my children. And I, th- I pray and hope that that goes a very long way right. with them and with understanding that there's going to be times that we're wrong. That we're going to do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, yell in our deep monster voices, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And we're going to end up messing up. And I don't think we will mess them up as much if we're willing to just admit that and say, "Listen, Come people on. aren't perfect, yep. and and that I need grace too. I need Jesus. I need you to forgive me." Like yeah. this morning, I asked Shiloh to forgive me, and uh, and she, I said, "No, I said, I'm sorry for yelling at you." And and she said, "It's okay." I said, "No, it's not okay. I just need your forgiveness. I need you to forgive me for what I did." You know, and the reality is that I think it goes. Kids need to see us, one, apologize to them and admit like we're broken and we mess up and we make mistakes so that they have grace and understanding when they make mistakes. And then the same goes for they need to watch us uh, not just like yell at each other in front of them or, you know, say the wrong thing or get, you know, nitpicky in front of them. But they need to watch us apologize in front of them and make up in front of them. You know, I have seen and I think this is maybe a problem. I've seen and heard a lot of people say, oh, we never talk about hard things in front of the kids. We never argue in front of the kids. We never, and I'm like, I don't think that's like natural because honestly, you have something to say in front of your kids and they're in the room and you may not say it later or whatever. And they need to be able to see that you're, you are working through your humanness in front of them, and that yeah. is okay. I'm not saying, like, you blow up in front of them all the time or anything like that. I'm just saying, like, we have worked through certain conversations in front of our kids, and right. I don't think that's wrong either. If you are the kind of people who know how to hold it until you get into your bedroom, then good for you. That's not us. <laughs> we
0: just deal with it right then and there because it's come and, up. And pause there. Hold on. Like, don't take it to the bedroom.
1: Yeah, Why that, would you yeah, want your bedroom, bedroom is, to be the
0: place that you fight? Yeah. The bedroom is not for war. It's for love. Oh. <laughs> come on. We're going to get us Make love, not war. That's, that should be... That's... Come it's on, somebody. Like, some of you are like, are we in church right now? Yes. Susie, get the kids. Like... When we take when we take all of our all of the tension, like think about this for a second. Come on, ma- this married couples. When we take all of our tension and all of our frustration into the bedroom, we're not allowing the bedroom to be what the bedroom should be. That should be a place of retreat and love, not like oh my gosh, I don't like being in my bedroom because this is where we like this is this where is we tend, ten- Like we're going battling all the time. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. So have healthy conflict in open spaces so that your kids can see what healthy conflict and looks like. And if you
1: have unhealthy conflict <laughs> in open spaces, then just go back and make sure you make right. up in front of those, up, you know, in yep. those open spaces. That you go and say, hey, you know, we're okay. I, we're sorry in front of each other. We hug or kiss, you know, so that the kids know that, like, oh, okay, they're fine. Yeah. They fought in front of us, but they're going to be okay, you yep. know. And kids need to see the full gamut of our emotions I think in order to reconcile that they too have those emotions and they are going to go through them and they can say oh I'm sorry oh forgive me like you know they can they can see how to process through them in a healthy way as well so it might start out unhealthy but make sure it ends healthy
0: yeah there you go is this helping anybody today all right here's the fourth one if you want change allow it to happen If you want change, allow it to happen. This one's really important, 2 Corinthians 5. So we're not going to get to all of them today, so we're going to continue on next week. Does that work for everybody? We're going to continue on because we wanna we wanna stay slow in these. We don't want to just like get past them. We wanna like go into different levels of them. If you want change, allow it to happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through to 17. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we've known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him this way. Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is passed away and see that the new mm-hmm. has come. Yeah. In yeah. other words, if you want change, allow the other person to continue to put on the new creation that they're supposed right. to be. But here's the problem that we've witnessed so many times, especially in relationships, is that we have a tendency to hold people's old humanity over them Mm -hmm. and they never get to step into the new creation God has for them. So we we keep people locked in their past habits, past this, past that, everything that they were in their old humanity and we don't allow them to work out the miracle of salvation that God has done in them because here's what we do, we expect them to be perfect straight away. We gotta stop that because we don't expect that of ourselves. Isn't it interesting that we want grace all day long but we never give it to anyone else?
1: Yeah.
0: Right? They're like, I'm not gonna give them grace, but like, please give it to me all the time. (laughs) I need all the grace. We gotta allow people to change. And can I say this? Change doesn't happen overnight. Right. If we've given the enemy twenty years to work havoc in our life, Mm -hmm. and then we expect God to do it in a nanosecond. Right. It's like you've been letting Satan jump around your life for all of these years. What makes you think? Yeah. Come on, somebody, there's stuff, there's wounds, there's damage, there's change, there's all these different things. And so as we work out the process of our salvation, if you want change to happen, we gotta allow it to happen. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. It's good. Nothing to add. Well, I I had an illustration, but I don't know if it makes sense now.
0: We'll talk about it.
1: No, I mean, I I grew up uh, a very honest child. Very honest. Like, one time, my sister was so excited because she bought me Abercrombie and Fitch perfume (laughs) from Abercrombie, which was a huge deal back then. I know that it's still around, but... I don't know how big of a deal it is anymore. But at, when I went to high school, it was like such a big deal to own anything from Abercrombie and I didn't. I owned like an extra small t-shirt that I got on the clearance rack one time, and that was my only Abercrombie and pitch shirt. But she so so she had, I don't know, saved her money and got me Abercrombie and pitch. Per, uh, fitch perfume and i it was christmas time and if i didn't like something it was uh, very clear from the moment i opened it <laughs> so <laughs> it was like oh Your thanks, parents are just you know? shaking yeah. their heads right it now was. they're like i yeah. was just very honest and, and and inconsiderate when it came to like i didn't know how to manage the truth you know and and what you're supposed to like <laughs> save for later you know um so i was very abrupt like all throughout our high school i would just say what i thought and that's a gift that God did give me. I just didn't know how to manage it at the time. Um, now I do. And you're hearing it in a healthier way. Uh, but, but growing up, like literally any time my sister would give me a gift, she would bring up that History, And here I am, and we've already had this conversation, so she she knows if she's listening. Uh, But, you know, here I am, like, trying to change and become better and, like, manage my words. And, of course, I'd still fumble over them and say them wrong and, like, be too direct sometimes because I was learning and growing and changing and letting God operate in checking my spirit about how I speak. And it took a lot longer for her to accept that truth than for me to actually move into that truth. And so it was difficult on our relationship for a long time because I would be like, you're not allowing me to change and to become this person that God is changing me into. And so I think the most damaging part um, in relationships so often is when, like Jason said, we just hold on to the past and the history. And then when it repeats itself, we don't recognize that it's been a year since it repeated itself. It's been six months, and it used to be daily. Like, we have to start recognizing that, like, change takes time and you're still going to come back to that point because that was comfortable and that's what you knew and that was safe you know and that was your and you're going to have imperfect moments and so giving each other grace and space especially marriages that are really struggling and falling apart right now if you keep holding over each other's head the history you will not move forward you will not it will not it won't survive you have to give space for it even if that means you write it down like on a piece of paper like okay it happened today and then you realize you write it down the next time and then you realize the gap from that time to that time and you can celebrate and say hey I know you're working on this because it's been four months since you fell back into that behavior it's been four months since you responded in that way so it's giving each other grace to change will allow you to see your marriage come to yeah. the fullness of what it could be.
0: And let's say it this way. If you're writing notes and you need kind of something to grab a hold of, just because someone messes up doesn't mean they're not changing. Come on. Mm-hmm. Just because someone messes up doesn't mean they're not changing.
1: And this is in all our relationships. All of I our mean, our it's relationships. in friendships.
0: Yep. But Everywhere. you both have,
1: in any relationship, each of you has to be willing to, like, change you always have to be willing to seek God. Let, him, let the Holy Spirit check your heart yep. to check your motives. And you have to be willing to go, God, like, I want to change for this yeah. person. I want to be a better friend. I want to be a better spouse. I want to be a better mother. I want to be a better sister. I want to be another, you know, a better grandparent. Whatever it is, like, you've got to be willing to press into how can I keep com- becoming better? Because ultimately, like, we are saved. Sanctification is the process of our salvation correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the justification, all the like words in my head. Sanctification is the process, so that does not mean that when we put on the new creation, we're even going to know how to sit in it. We don't even know how to sit in it. It's like a new pair of jeans that has to stretch out a bit, you know, for the ladies in the room. None of you guys wear tight enough jeans for that, but you know, and if <laughs> you do, then do. And if you do, then you know, you know, you know, uh, but you gotta like sit, you gotta learn what is this new creation I'm putting on like I try to pick up the old and God's like no no remember we released that you released that when you found me you don't have to pick that back up. I know it's comfortable. I know it feels safe, but it's not where I called you. Wow. I'm calling you to a new creation. So I know you want to go back to that. Don't go back there. Come on, keep going forward and put those clothes on again. It's okay. Just Come like on. practice putting so it great. on, you know. And so when you're practicing putting it on, you can move forward in change knowing that there's going to be times you accidentally pick up the thing again and put on the old stinky socks, but yep. you're ultimately changing and putting on new clothes and becoming a new creation so over great. time. Yes. Rather than immediately. Yeah. So when we can assume the highest motive of each other, that we are are changing together, that we're seeking and pursuing God together. Beautiful. But you have to do it together. You have to equally, individually be seeking God so that you can come together in any relationship and have a great relationship.
0: So good. Well, we're going to continue with this conversation next weekend. We'll do a part two to it. And then... Uh, We'll just kind of, we're going to just, like I said, meander through this Act of Fool series. Has this series helped anybody so far? Yeah?